0: Listening to the <laughs>
1: Well it's a pleasant spring evening. Uh, By spring we mean uh, early April here in uh, Middle England I suppose. And I'm with Diana Bateman, the the lady that took us out for our fungi forage at the end of uh, last year. And she's very kindly offered to show us uh, some of the flora that uh, is is growing now in the hedgerow which may be of interest to uh, country walkers as well as bushcraft people from an edible point of view and a historical point of view. So uh, what exactly are you going to show us this evening? uh?
0: Well what I'm going to show you are some plants which you'll find in most hedgerows really that are edible Um, they're not just survival foods a lot of them are actually gourmet foods because I don't actually believe you should eat something just for the sake of it being edible you might as well have something because it's pleasant to eat Um, but I want you to kind of think of it also in a historical way rather than just as the um, edibility, thinking that um, if we, in these days um, everything is freely available we've become quite complacent about the fact we can go to any supermarket or shop and get something virtually every day of the year and if you were to source food from the UK alone you'd still be able to find something and that's really due to the fact that we have better um, better techniques of growing plants these days we also have um, superior types of plants um, and lots of introductions of things from other places that we've cross-bred with our own native plants to make things much hardier And this is all thanks to the people from the 18th century, who were the ones who um, were great plant hunters and went out and sourced a lot of these things. um, And also started the new techniques of growing under glass with heat and growing in hot frames with heated manure. And not only just growing ordinary everyday vegetables, but also growing some quite exotic fruits and vegetables. But I want you to go back a bit further than that, to sort of late medieval time, maybe even Saxon times and uh, Elizabethan times, when you would not have had anything in the way of green food to eat, literally, probably from about the beginning of October through until middle to end of March. Now even for the, the hardest person in, in the area who dislikes eating green vegetables, that is um, really not good for you because you're not getting any vitamin C and there's lots of minerals and vitamins you're missing out on. So all the hedgerow foods that came up in the spring were actually viewed with great joy really because it was something fresh to be enjoyed.
1: So this was very much a period of time where, where celebration and, and nature would be uh, welcomed and, and um, I know that uh, through the years we also have the other association with things like well-dressing and and all the rest of it, which tends to sort of celebrate this time of year, doesn't it?
0: Well, of course, we were much closer to the soil in those days and, of course, the celebration was that spring had come, things were the, the life force was being renewed, things were beginning to grow again, it meant there was going to be food on the plate again. Um, they'd gone through the winter months living literally, on anything they could preserve and bear in mind again relating to today they didn't have um, ways of freezing or drying or canning foods this was literally salted and pickled food so after eating it for quite some time you'd have been really you know got really bored with that they didn't even have sugar to make jams so this was the renewal of life the renewal of growth and a- also tied in with the celebration of Easter um, um, long before um, there were pagan obviously beliefs of the beginning of the, the cycle of growth so all of these things were kind of linked together mm.
1: Mm. okay well that's a, that's a lovely introduction to uh, to where we are and, and how to look at these things now and I think most people probably listening to this have got an appreciation understanding of the of the countryside and certainly don't want to start um, uh, taking things from the hedgerows or or wild foods and, and taking more than they actually need or want to to just sample things. So, what, what, what should we be looking for this time of year?
0: Right, well, mostly you're looking at leaves, sort of the, mostly salad leaves, but there are some, as we would loosely term, vegetable crops. It is permissible to pick leaves from the hedgerow, it is not permissible to pick flowers. Um, you're not actually doing a plant any damage by removing leaves, but obviously you are by taking away the flowers because you're taking away its method of reproduction. It is also completely illegal to dig anything up. Um, from the hedgerows in the wild. Um, Very often you can find, if you're interested in in particularly growing some of these plants, you can source them through nurseries and grow them yourself if you wanted to.
1: I was reading the other day, actually, um, taking that a stage further, was was that anything like that you should do, you should always do with the landowner's permission.
0: Yes, you should do. Sometimes it's a bit difficult if you're walking along a roadside verge, um, actually knowing who owns the, the roadside verge. More often than not, it is the local council who own it. But yes, it's always advisable, especially if you're walking on enclosed land of any description you must have the owner's permission before taking anything away
1: it all belongs to somebody in this country doesn't it
0: yeah and there's one other thought actually when picking close to the edge of a road do remember people walk their dogs and also do remember some of these things get car fumes etc all over <laughs> them
1: <laughs> okay so what, what have we got in our refined um, natural uh, supermarket today
0: right in the refined natural supermarket today the first one that we've come across the most common really that everybody would recognize is a dandelion and dandelions are really quite prized on the continent. They have a bitter flavour, a bit like um, a bit like um, chicory. Um, they're, com- the name comes from the French "dent de lion" because if you look at the leaf, you'll see it's got this sort of very very toothed edge, which is actually so, supposedly similar to a lion's tooth. The French also refer to it as pissenlit, which means wet the bed, Mm -hmm. and for a very good reason. People believe that if you pick dandelions, it causes you to wet the bed. It's not actually the picking of the dandelion that does it, it's the eating of the dandelion. It contains um, a natural substance called taraxacum, which is a diuretic. Mm. Um, Very, very useful if you do happen to be in a situation where you're unwell and you need to flush your kidneys out. That's the obvious thing to take, provided you've got plenty of fluid that you can take on board at the same time.
1: Mm. And I've, uh, you can make wine as well, can't you, from dandelion? You can
0: make dandelion wine. It's got quite a strong flavour. Very often most of the um, most of the recipes are combined with ginger, which give it quite a, a, a pungent flavour. It's, it's not unpleasant. Um, I wouldn't get too excited about <laughs> it. But it's the dandelion heads that you use, and you've got to be very careful not to get in the green sepals with it because they can be quite bitter. Um, the other thing about most of these... Um, particular leaves that we're looking at today is that later on through the year that some of them become more pungent and some of them become um, quite tough and and unpleasant but with dandelions they'll get a very very strong flavour towards the uh, the middle of the summer later on in the year so really it's the fresh young leaves you want particularly at this time of the year further along here we've got some flowers you can see that we've got primroses and violets and I'm not suggesting anyone goes and collects those from the wild if you've got them in your garden you can use them but they were very often used by the Elizabethans as decorative um, items for sweets and they would um, also sprinkle them in salads the the Elizabethans were quite fond of mixing sweet and savoury flavours together Um, you have to bear in mind that that they didn't have um, sources such as sugar so they didn't make jams and things, they would only be used Using things like honey but they did like to use flowers a lot in salads and um, for decorating their puddings. Um, we've also got here some um, some Queen Anne's lace um, which is very common in the spring or cow parsley. Now the only problem with things like this is you must be Pretty good on your identification, it, although you shouldn't make mistakes. Um, if you're not very hot on the the feathery, ferny-leaved plants, um, it could be mistaken by an amateur for hemlock. So you do need to know what you're picking here. And that has a really delicious aniseed flavour.
2: Um, I don't know whether you want to try a little taste. As long as it
1: isn't the hemlock. Yes. No, yes. it's
2: not hemlock. <laughs> Um, yeah, there are quite a lot of those uh, feathery ones, especially as they get taller. I think to, to actually identify them, you have to be quite careful, don't you? Well, I think the
0: I think the cow parsley one is the easy one to do. I mean, I know there are a lot of other. Um, feathery-leaved plants that you can eat but I think cow parsley is the easy one because one, it's the first really to show itself at the beginning of the year um, it's got distinctive stems as it gets bigger that have, have got ridges on them and they're furry and very soft green whereas hemlock is completely smooth and more of a deeper pea green with a black um, marking all the way up the stem, you'll see these black to sort of purple splodges on the stem, so um, this has got distinctly furry leaves and so this is um, can't be mistaken for anything else this comes a good i would say two months before really the hemlock and the other thing about um the queen anne's lace is most people know it from the roadside verges when it's flowering hemlock when it flowers it actually smells of mice cages but perhaps you would like to have a little mm. taste of that and mm. you will notice it's got um an aniseed flavor to it
1: another one i saw um the other week um which seemed to have um feathery leaves and whether it comes from oh yeah it has definitely got a it just suddenly l- comes out, doesn't it, that uh, aniseed? Um,
0: it's also referred to as wild chervil, so that's got that sort it, of it, chervil taste.
1: Mm. Um, was um, the leaves that go with the pignuts? Yes. Is that the same family?
0: It's the same family, but that, again, has not... uh, Well, I don't think that's got such a furry leaf. As it gets older, you'll notice the leaf will go sort of almost smooth and shiny on the pignut, whereas this is one of the distinctive ones with definitely very furry leaves. When you look at it quite closely, you can see it's such a soft green, um, and you can actually feel that it's actually... um, yeah. Yeah, not not shiny or smooth no, in any no, way. No, it, yes, so yeah. so but that's that's you know but as I say you do need to be careful and make sure that you do know what you're picking. Further along um down here I think I just spotted um quite an unusual plant not necessarily one I'm going to recommend for a salad um but it's a thing called ground ivy. Now the only reason I can suggest it's called ground ivy is because it creeps along the ground because it doesn't resemble ivy anything whatsoever. What's I mean, the leaf is nothing like ivy. Um, it's not the, the same coloured leaf as ivy. It flowers with pretty blue flowers. And this is unusual because in actual fact this has got a distinctive smell um, and very herbly, herby, strong smell. Now most people will recognise this from walking in the woodlands if you walk oh, on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah? Yeah, now yeah. have a crush it and smell it very strong, intense...
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's almost like mint in some way. Yeah, in, yeah in it's it is, it is a
0: bit like mint that's oh, nice isn't it this was actually one of the things that was used as a, as a stuffing as a herb um, it comes quite early in the year this will have been made its appearance about a month ago um, and the thing about that was traditionally in Ludlow it was always used at Easter to stuff pork mm-hmm. as a stuffing now bear in mind again going back to this thing that we were saying about um, things having been preserved the meat had been hanging around for quite some time mm-hmm. by now mm-hmm. um, they wouldn't be up to slaughtering any fresh beasts so they Going to have to try and make it reasonably palatable. So, the stronger the herb and the stronger the flavour they could get into the meat, the better it would be. Um, they obviously have better stomachs than ours because they could tolerate <laughs> these things. Um, and as my mum always said, a little peck of dirt never did anyone any harm. They were less, sort of, in some ways um, clean than we were, but um, they would have been able to tolerate eating meat that was actually probably getting quite rancid by that yeah, time. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think so. So,
0: that would have um, been something that would have given some flavour to that.
1: So um, we've moved further down now, and there's obviously the good old-fashioned nettles.
0: Yeah, well, that's probably the the most um, common one that people have heard of in the respect of food that you can eat, because most people have heard of either nettle beer or nettle soup. Um, and recently, in the last week only, shown on television, a very um, modern chef had made uh, nettle syrup to go with one of his um, puddings, which I thought was quite intriguing. Um, And nettles are a very good source for vitamin C. Um, What a lot of people don't realise is that they don't sting you once they're cooked, but they do sting you when you're picking them.
1: This has got to be a question. Now, you're a professional gardener, and you've obviously got a lot of knowledge with this. Now, the number of different books that you read about, grasp the nettle, run your hand up its stem, uh, grab it quickly, do it with gloves on, with gloves off, or whatever, what is the correct way if there is such a thing as correct way or the most advisable way to, to, to harvest nettles.
0: If you haven't got gloves and you do grab it firmly you're usually okay but quite honestly I'd say use gloves. Um, and the other thing is that a lot of people wear latex gloves for gardening these days and, and nettles do actually go through latex gloves so really if you want to go out and pick nettles and you want to be sting free you need a pair of leather gloves or something like that. But nettles are very useful. Um, Um, in certain ways, they are very very good as a substitute for spinach Um, one of the tricks that I learnt to do with them is to cook them off and use them, if you want to make your own pasta and yes I know life's too short to make your own pasta but if you want to make pasta verde, instead of using spinach cook spinach, use cooked nettles and it's very very good, it's excellent in fact.
1: And and presumably like most uh, spring um, vegetation, it's better now than it is in a few months time when it's getting a bit hardy. Yeah, it, it starts
0: to get a bit stringy and also um, it, when it starts to come into flower again the flavour is not so pleasant as it is when it's fresh and young.
1: Well I know some of the bushcraft community will start to use the stems for cordage and so on.
0: That's right yes they make string and all sorts of bits and pieces out of it.
2: I know when uh, we've made soup uh, made a mistake of not picking that just the top young leaves to start with I picked some of the others and it was a very stringy soup even though I liquidized it, it wasn't pleasant at all yeah. so yeah remembering those small leaves I think.
0: Well, if you think of it in the terms of most people will be familiar with, if ever they've got um, a nettle caught in their strimmer or in their lawnmower, they will know that it will wind around and round and round and go quite stringy. Now, if you imagine eating that, it's extremely unpleasant.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, am I right in you? can These are another... Yep. source of, of nutrition
0: right. yeah uh, these are a thing called um goose grass or cleavers and you'd be familiar with these as being the little sticky balls that stick to you at the end of the year
1: or as a kid you used to throw these at people yeah and, that's yeah,
0: right yeah. and um and it has a little tiny white flower later on but at this time of the year when it's quite soft and um and, and quite sort of new and fresh um it was actually fed to geese as a good source of um, um, sort of food for them at the very beginning of the year when there wasn't a lot about, um, and that's why it gets its name goose grass. Um, it's best cooked. You can eat it raw, which I give it give you a piece to taste. Okay. Um, it tastes like um, peas, but it's got those sticky bits to the leaves mm. so that it can kind of crawl down your throat. So it's better if you gently, um, to use a chefy phrase, wilt it. But it does have a taste of like like mange two peas really. Oh, it
1: does, yeah, yeah. And as you say, it just, just, <laughs> just curl down your throat. throat.
0: That's why it is better cooked than, than raw. It's not that you can't eat it raw. It's just that it isn't always a pleasant experience. It's,
1: this is, um, I presume you sort of, um, you, you wilt this when you when you cook it. You just steam yeah. it very, yeah, very, literally. very I mean, few seconds.
0: You wash it and literally just put it into a pan and you wouldn't need to do much more right. than that to it. Okay. Um, and obviously, um, a lot of the um, hedgerow vegetables that you cook are much improved with um, a, a big lump of butter. So I hope there's not too many people being too <laughs> <laughs> and just above your head, if you yeah. look here, is another uh, another um, edible food that my mother always used to re- um, refer to as a little bit of bread and cheese. Yes, now I've heard
1: about this the other week. Um, yeah. And this
0: is this is this is hawthorn shoots, and these also. If you would want to try a piece of that, it's got quite a, that's got a, what I'd describe as perhaps a nutty flavour. Now, which, which part are
1: we eating here? Are we eating the, the, the leaves whole, or the sort of the bud the, or?
0: Well, all of it—the the whole sort of shoot, really. You
1: Because could... I, I couldn't quite get the bread and cheese taste last time I tried no, well, it. No, it
0: doesn't really taste like bread and cheese. It's just I a think, poor man's bread I and think cheese, it's isn't it? Yeah, I think it's you're the... being very optimistic <laughs> if you think it's bread and cheese. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think when it comes to finding foods that work on survival. Um, you're unlikely to find anything that does resemble <laughs> nice crusty <laughs> bread and a piece of cheese.
1: Oh, you can live in hope, can't yeah, you? Yeah,
0: you can live in hope. But there are there are things that you can find that are extremely delicious. I mean, one of the things that I absolutely adore, just down here in front of us, is wild sorrel, mm. which comes in several sort of forms. There's lots of different varieties of sorrel. But this is the biggest leaf sorrel, and I think this is just... I think what is one of the best tasting um salad uh, salad herbs that you can possibly it's got a
1: peppery hot taste isn't no, it? no 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 oh.
0: no now you you taste it and then you tell me what you think of it oh dear. do you you want and you'll instantly hopefully come up with the right the right flavor
2: <laughs>
0: silence <laughs> <laughs> Nobody dares there saying
1: fish and chips
0: you know. yeah well actually there's something that goes on fish it's, and it's chips vinegar sort of a it's vinegar citrus, a citrus lemon, lemon. Yeah.
1: it is isn't it when you b- just bite the
0: leaf leaf it's, you um, can it's a, it's it's a lemony lemony when you say vinegar i mean it's it is sharp, that sort of it? citrus sort of yes taste and i think that's absolutely wonderful mm, that...
1: certainly adds something to your to your salad bowl doesn't it?
0: right one more here now this mm. is thing called um, Jack by
1: the Hedge. Mm, Now I'd like to see this because I've heard this referred to several times in different books.
0: Now it's not in flower at the moment it will come up and have Mm. a white flower on it. It's very noticeable at this time of the year and again have a taste and see what sort of flavour you get from that. Um, This is inclined to disappear towards um, the middle of summer you won't see it although it can make a reappearance in the autumn time. Well, I'll give you a clue, its common name is garlic hedge garlic.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah oh yes, yeah, so just yep, yeah, right at the end of it there. Did you get yeah, that? You got it's... that as well?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now I presume it's the leaf which is which has got the taste as opposed yes. to to the bud in this case.
0: Yes, yes. Just I mean the leaves actually can get quite big. Um, These are only just very young. In actual fact, things are, obviously with the cold weather we've been having this year, a little bit behind. Mm. Normally they'd be a bit more advanced than they are at the moment.
2: It grows quite tall too, doesn't it? Yes,
0: it does. It comes up almost in a spike and it has this pretty little delicate, um, few little white flowers on the top of it. Um, Unmistakable when you actually see it and look at it. Um, But so far you can see that you've tasted quite a lot of different flavours. Can you imagine combining all those together? Yeah. and you can imagine that you've got lots of different flavours coming through
1: I mean have you ever done any research on on how sort of the the um the older house cooks for the for these sort of estates, years years gone by, would have used some of these herds and that's what they did with them at all.
0: Well, they they would have obviously had a they would have had a garden. I mean, on the the estates that that, that had cooks who cooked for them like mm. that, they would have had herbs, and they would have various other things that would grow within the garden. Not only would they be used for um, food stuff, but th- they would have used plants for medicinal purposes as well as for the purposes of um, cooking. Um, but a lot of people in the area in which we're walking now who lived around here would actually go around and gather these things themselves you know and take them to 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 go in with other things that they had within within the household as i as i'd already explained there weren't those um vegetables available Mm. Um, That we have now, there would virtually be nothing around. So this would be all that you would have.
1: I I know that um, certainly Edwardian Victorian estates, there used to be a a lot of competition between the head gardeners of each estate to who could have the first fruit and and so on of the the season. But certainly prior to that, I just wondered how the earlier um, natives really would have made the the most of of, of what they've got. Whether it was a sort of a, they they, they turn it to a stew or a a sauce or or, or just some sort of garnish.
0: Well, some of the things, some of the things. Things would be used as sauces, some of the stronger flavoured things would be used as sauces, um, some of the things that you see around would actually be used as a vegetable, although most of the things that we're looking at are fairly flimsy, so they would be just served as a little bit of a salad, just a bit of flavouring to go with whatever else there was mm. um, you would have um, as I say, some of the things would be used as a vegetable, but there wouldn't be that many that would have such substance, but I might be able to find one or two for you
1: So, this has obviously got a very, I mean, it's just, it smells like chives.
0: It looks like chives it's just a, a a wild onion really chives are a little lighter green in colour that's a slightly a bluer green really more like the onion family mm. if you look at chives the colour is more like the colour of grass if you look at an onion growing the leaves are a bit more bluey mm. bluey green this is a sort of a, a very ancient form of wild onion and it doesn't doesn't grow really an onion bulb although there will be a little something below ground but it's the leaves that would have been used for okay. flavouring but things. But you
1: could use I mean you can use yeah. this obviously Yeah yeah yeah, yeah very you strong. can
2: eat
1: it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really. So tell me about comfrey then. Comfrey, I, I believe, used to be, or is it still classed as a weed? Because I know once it's in the garden, it just stays there forever.
0: Well, it's not not necessarily classed as a weed. It's actually a green manure. Um, it's very useful for putting into your water tub, and just letting it sort of render down almost, and using it as a as a fertiliser. Very good. But, um, and, and, and it is possible to eat um, comfrey fritters, um, although people now say that, that it's not advisable to do so. But one of the um, traditional uses for it was to mend broken bones. Really? And it took me a long time to work out how in actual fact you could mend a broken bone. Because I thought, well, do they wrap the leaves around the affected part or mm. what do they do? And it was some years later when uh, my husband Tim had actually had a bad um, case of gout and I'd read in one of the herbal books it was very good for uh, helping cure gout. So I followed the recipe which was to take the roots and macerate or rather these days take the easy option and stick it in the liquidiser with a little bit, a a very small amount of liquid water. And uh, and uh, just apply it to the affected part, which I did, and leave to settle, as it were. Mm-hmm. It's a good job I didn't put it all round his foot because it, it it dries rock hard like plaster of Paris. You'd have needed a saw to have cut it off. Really. So that was exactly how they mended the broken bones: was to literally apply it. So if you had a broken arm, all the way up the arm. And it would set like plaster of Paris and hold the arm in place And, position.
1: and is it, is it, does it set really quickly, or is it something that just happens very slowly oh, and very subtly? I,
0: I don't know. We didn't We didn't sort of look at it immediately. It was only after a while when he went to tap it and it was rock hard. We, <laughs> we realised what had happened.
2: And, and did, it, did it cure the goat?
0: Um, no, I don't think it did, actually. <laughs>
1: Well, we pulled off the uh, uh, the main road, it's hardly a main road, the, the side little lane, range. little lane and we just got up a footpath a bit and there's something special here that uh, Dana wants to show us.
0: Well this is, this is gourmet food, this is, um, these are hop shoots and they are the hop plant and they are the shoots of the plant that's used to produce beer um originally many years ago the area that you see beyond was a hop yard where hops were grown they were referred to as hop yards um it's long since uh, um it become into disuse and you can now see that it's changed considerably but the hops have gradually crept across and gone into the hedge where they continue to survive and this is a delicacy look it up on the web and see how much it is a bundle (laughs) Um, very much it's enjoyed very much on the continent Um, this wouldn't have been around so much in medieval times although um, at the time of um, Henry VIII they were beginning to use hops previously to that Ground, um, ground ivy, uh, which we've talked about as being um, used for stuffings and herbs, was actually used for clearing beers and it was used as, as a substance that would help keep the beer fresh longer. But as soon as they discovered hops, which came over um, with the Flemish people in probably sort of early 14th century, they discovered hops were better for the purpose. And after the time of King Henry the Eighth, they were grown quite a lot, mm. and and then people would begin to realise that the actual tips of the hop um, can be used as a food, and they are delicious because they taste very similar, and are in fact called poor man's asparagus.
1: Oh, well, we we, we do like our asparagus, and of course that's the season for that's just sort of upon us now. Really, it's just starting, isn't it?
0: Well, you find that hop shoots come just slightly before asparagus, so you get <laughs> as a, a starter. As a starter, and then and then <laughs> and then, but you have a very very small amount of time to enjoy hop shoots because literally we are at the end of their season now because they will start to get tough and stringy a bit like a bit like nettle stems so not not, not not that they will sting you but they will get really really tough and mm. unpleasant so. so what
1: have you got, it's like a two week, three week window?
0: Um, no, it's usually about four to five weeks I'd say because they've been up now for about five probably getting on for six weeks now.
1: I'm looking forward to trying those then. glass of wine later?
2: I think that's that uh, sounds very good. I love your term um, gourmet, wild food. Yeah, it is gourmet, <laughs> wild food. I
0: mean, it's not, you know, it's not just you know stuff um to have as a subsistence food it is actually a um, very enjoyable food i can't actually see the point i don't need to survive i live in this area where i've got a fridge a freezer <laughs> and a pantry and i mean i can only see the point in eating things that i think are utterly delicious i can't you know i'm not that nerdy that i want to go out and collect things just for the sake of it Must have been quite a substantial hot field. It's a
1: shame to see the hot fields all fall fall away now because it's, uh, I presume. Everything like everything else—it's all being imported somewhere. Yes,
0: unfortunately, it is. A lot of it is coming in from uh, coming in from abroad now, from other climes. Um, a lot of it now hops are bought in from New Zealand and in from America. And there's very few hop fields around. Kent still is quite good, and there still are areas over towards Hereford, um, where hops are grown. But I don't think there are many. Uh, although there is one small area in Worcestershire as well. But most of the hop fields have now
2: died out. I grew up um, in the Team Valley, and when I, you know, was first there. Yeah, there was field upon, field or yard upon, you know, hop yard of them. And
1: uh, It was also part of the rural infrastructure as yeah. well, wasn't it? I mean, you used to have countless uh, people come and pick
0: the hops. And it?
2: even, you know, back in the sort of 70s, all the students would come down in September for the hop picking. Uh,
0: yeah, they used know, to always come from London. I know they used to come from London down to Kent and it was their holiday. Yeah. Their holiday would be to go hop picking and earn some more money. Yeah.
2: Mm.
0: Go and see if we can find you some further down you can take these
1: home with you and try these. Well, crossing over the fence here and moving into the field, we can see something which uh, is fairly familiar to most people, which is hogweed, but I understand there's different types of variety uh, of hogweed and also it can be quite nasty.
0: Well, there is a thing called the giant hogweed, which can grow, well, sort of between 12 to 18 foot tall. It's an enormous great thing. Um, And that, it it can cause terrible skin reactions and I think they refer to it as scabby hand. And that's the thing to steer clear well clear of but this particular hogweed is common hogweed and i only discovered this a few years ago i knew it was edible but i thought that it, as it was such a common thing that it would be fairly uninteresting and um, and decided just out of out of curiosity to try it a few years ago and it is absolutely delicious i can't compare the taste to anything else because it only tastes like hogweed so this is one that you'll have to try now this is one that you would um, considered to be a vegetable because it has got some substance to it mm. and what you actually pick is the new emerging shoots with the leaf on it before it unfurls. You want to get this before it starts to flower because it can become quite pungent tasting when it starts to flower so you've got to get, as you can see there the new shoots um, as as the leaves are unfurling
1: All right. so well, how far down do you actually take it as we're just, bel- just you, below you the, the
0: leaf? You literally pull it and it will come off where it wants to come off and you just get it like that Right. and what you do with it is you would just wash it and then cook it with no more water than that as you would spinach you put it into a pan on a hot heat with the lid on with a big lump of butter and cook it for about 4-6 to six minutes until it's softened mm. so this is one definitely for you to try oh, ok,
1: yeah
2: you want to get sort of Look
1: like that all oh, right get the shoots coming up like that oh i see okay that's brilliant okay. yeah
2: that's brilliant so but those are almost too open um, not too No, bad. no
0: no they're still quite you know still quite nice and tender but when you get those little shoots coming up like that they really are tender so if we can find a few more of those i can discard some of the less exciting ones <laughs>
1: Okay, now I'm, I sort of recognise the leaves, but I can't quite place it. What do, what do we got here?
0: This is wild garlic. Um, very often you'll find it on the banks of rivers and through woodland. As soon as you walk through, you'll smell it straight away. It's got quite a strong smell, and comes up with the most beautiful cluster of starry white flowers. Um, and it's 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 actually mm-hmm. wild garlic, but it's not anything like eating ordinary garlic. It's it's quite a mild gentle taste. It's again another thing that you could use as a, an item in a salad. Delicious, used with eggs, um, used in omelettes. Um, but a recent recipe I heard that I was quite impressed with was making wild garlic pesto, which I thought sounded mm. rather nice.
1: So uh, the, 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 the smell, the pungency is from the leaves. It's not from the, from the buds then? Shall we no, I'm...
0: the flowers will. The flowers will, are garlicky as well. The whole thing is garlicky. So if
1: you're going to use this food-wise, I mean, do you dig the bulb up or do no, you just no, contour the no, leaves? No, no,
0: you wouldn't dig the plant up at all, you just really concentrate on the leaves. Um, I grow it um, at home, so I'm able to pick the flowers as well and put the flowers into salads, which I think is, you know, they're very, very pretty little starry-shaped flowers. The whole plant of, the whole part of the plant is edible, but it's not advisable to dig it up. Just Mm. the leaves are enough. And again, it's one of those plants that comes in the spring, and because it really is a woodland plant, it grows before the canopy of the trees appear, so by the time the trees start to begin to really leaf up, it gradually dies off and disappears completely during the summer months.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I, I tried um, bannock bread a few weeks ago, obviously a very basic uh, campfire bread and I just the idea of garlic bannock bread yeah, crossed my mind. Yeah, I reckon mind. that
0: would be quite delicious. Uh, yeah. um, it does lose a bit of its flavour on cooking, you wouldn't want to cook it too long, I don't know whether it would work in bread, but it would certainly be well worth a try, mm. I think it would be interesting.
1: Mm, why not? We're we'll ons after all. <laughs> Well, we've moved from the very uh, chilly um, exterior of the cottage into the interior. As you can hear, we're in the kitchen. And, and uh, what are you rustling up for us now?
0: Well, I'm just, try- I'm just cooking off a few of these hogweed shoots for you to try, which is the one that would be a, a basic vegetable rather than a salad. And uh, it's just had been rinsed with a bit of water and it's got a little bit of butter in there. And I'm just sort of cooking it down until it's softened. It doesn't take very long, um, probably about between four to eight minutes for it to be tender. And, the supper's and supper's served. And supper served. Let's just see how that's going. That's as it comes. You'll probably want a knife to. There's a fork for you each, and a knife to cut it up. So I don't know whether you want to add any more butter or anything. Do you? Do you want to give it a taste? Well, just,
1: let's taste it raw. Come on, then taster. Ooh, let's let's taste put it over it. here. We'll get. Uh, we we'll put it down. Let's, uh,
2: move this, guys, you oh, it looks that a great. That's um
1: you can serve me because I've got a handful of microphones okay, and things
2: okay there's a tip coming up
1: yeah
2: mmm oh I like that isn't it but, but it
0: oh, doesn't it taste of anything there's nothing you could say it tastes like no, other
2: than there is a, a, there is a yeah yeah there's um, a definite
1: um, whether it's the
2: There wasn't that much
0: butter in it for the butter to be the
2: the, main taste.
0: taste. It's quite a
1: creamy taste, isn't
2: it? It's gorgeous. It's lovely. I I just
0: find it, as I say, I dismissed it thinking it was just terribly Mm. common. um, And it couldn't be that exciting.
2: Well, I think I shall use this gourmet um, in in my next dinner party. (laughs) Next time we have friends around, I think I might try this out on them and see what they think.
1: That's definitely very...
2: Very Moorish.
1: Very edible, actually. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, 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 it's
0: Surprising. That's mm. why I said to you, it's it's gourmet food, not just survival food, because yeah. it's something that you would actually choose to eat, and you'll think now when you're walking, mm. oh look, we'll we'll go and get some of that. That'd be quite nice.
1: So so how how long have people got again to um to to, to pick this? I mean well, the I, think,
0: I think that by the time it starts to come into flower it's beginning it's to start light. to get a bit tough then. Mm. And you'll judge it by when you get used to it and you've eaten it a few times. You'll know roughly how tender the stems need to be. Um, they do start to get a bit woody. So mm. you can judge it by that really.
1: Mm. So what else could you use instead of butter there? I mean, sort of, um, could you use like an olive oil, do you think?
0: Um, yeah, yeah, there's no reason why you couldn't use olive oil, but me personally, I do think butter does make it, and margarine certainly doesn't work.
1: And what else are we um, we right, working on here? I'm just, all sorts of I'm, sort of... just,
0: I'm just, all of those different um, leaves, really, that we picked out mm. um, from, from the hedgerow, um, I'm actually combining here to make Um, a salad, much as it would have been served to you um, in, in, you know, olden days, as it were. Um, This is how they would have served it. They'd have had their meat and um, they wouldn't. Of course, the other thing that that we didn't talk about was the fact that there weren't such things as potatoes either. Mm, So so really, you're quite limited in all the things you could have. So um, there would be um, really your basic salad. Um, I have cheated here. They didn't have... Um, fancy homemade salad dressing. Although I'm so, sure j- i So
1: just 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 run through what's in there.
0: We've got um, we've got Jack by the hedge in the salad. We've got chervil. We've got dandelions. Um, there's some of the um, um, May um, shoots, the hawthorn. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also got some of the wild sorrel in here. Um, I would hope to have included some chickweed because chickweed actually tastes very much like just ordinary lettuce, but we didn't find any on our walk. But the other item that we have got here, of course, is the wild garlic, and a few of the little, um, little um, wild onion.
1: Lovely, well. and the and the dressings. Were and were the dressing is
0: just a basic dressing of olive oil with some white wine vinegar, a little Dijon mustard, um, a tiny little bit of mayonnaise mm-hmm. um, in with it, and some um, um, ground pepper and some salt. Lovely. So um, just give it a little, just a little dressing. A little drizzle. A little drizzle, as they say um uh, chefy style <laughs> from a great height and uh there's your your next
2: tasting
1: all right okay then.
2: Okay. this is lovely just my sort of food so do i give you a no you you, you 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 um enjoy <laughs> is that because you want to see how he i react sure,
0: <laughs> he wants to make sure you're enjoying it before he tries it
2: Mm, that's lovely And you can imagine, you
0: see, when you've got all the different flavours coming together, the combination of flavours, that, um, you know, you wouldn't want to eat one of those things, a lot of it on their own. That's why I refer to it. That's why I refer to them as salad herbs rather than as a vegetable. Mm. Whereas with the hogweed, you could eat that singly as a vegetable. Mm. Those have got very strong flavours. You wouldn't want to eat one of them as a vegetable. But if you put a combination of all of them together... To give you different flavours,
2: it makes mm. it more interesting. It's a bit like the old mixed bag salads you buy in the supermarket, isn't it? But um, much more original. <laughs> yeah. Infinitely better, yeah, I think, because yeah, there's much more
0: flavour there. Um, well, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm very impressed with both of them. As you say, the hogweed's got a certain... A, it's definitely a standalone mm.
0: taste. Yeah.
1: And that as a mixed a mixed salad. is, uh, particularly with the dressing, obviously, that just sets it off nicely. But certainly, yeah, you can just taste the different the different plants coming through, the different um, flavours.
0: If, if you serve that mixed salad with, you know, um, something simple with it, I mean, I personally don't eat meat but a good steak or maybe a nice piece of fish or something with it, I mean, that would stand out in any restaurant as being quite delicious. Mm.
1: Well Diana, I just want to say thank you very much indeed for taking the time once again to uh, to uh, lead us through this. It's been very interesting and I hope people have enjoyed it and uh, I know we'll be meeting up shortly to have a, another wander through the woods for the uh, for another fungi hunt which I'm also looking forward to. But thanks very much indeed for the time and I'm sure everybody's enjoyed it.
0: Thank you. This independent program has been brought to you by the